0: You're listening to The Reading Riot. What? Oh. Hey, what's going on, everyone, and welcome back to the Reading Riot Podcast. Yeah, with your host, Kim, a podcast that's perfect for readers, writers, and fans of short stories. So let's get into it. So for this podcast episode, I have Alyssa J. Presley, <coughs> woo, and I'm so excited to have her on my show. I met her on Instagram as I meet all of you, and we clicked instantly instantly and this episode was just so much fun to record it was just one of those conversations that it flowed you know where it didn't feel like we were even doing like an interview which i love <laughs> so we just talked about our writing journeys um giving you a little insight into an author's head <laughs> what we're thinking and what we're hoping you're going to love as a reader and our short stories were super fun so i cannot wait for you guys to listen. Um, before we jump into it, I wanted to give y'all a heads up. Oh yeah, for the month of October, it is Halloween theme. Yes! I love Halloween. Let me just make that clear. So my first Halloween themed episode will air October 2nd, so you guys better be ready. But Enough! About that, let's jump into it. Got an amazing episode for you with Alyssa, and I cannot wait for you guys to listen. So, Roxy, take us away. Connecting guest to the Reading Riot podcast. Connection complete. All right, everyone, please welcome Alyssa J. Presley to the Reading Riot. Hi, I'm so
1: excited to be here. I've heard about your podcast for a while now, and I'm just glad that I was
0: able to finally get on with you. No, Oh, definitely. Once I met you, I was like, oh, she needs to be a guest. She needs to be a guest. It's so nerve-wracking though, because I remember when you first asked me, I was like, I can't be on a podcast. That sounds terrifying. So it definitely <laughs> took me a while to get there. You know, it's so funny because a lot of the guests I've had so far are like, wait, but I, I don't know what I'm doing. And I'm like, dude, neither do I. We're just talking. <laughs> We're having a good time. That's all this is. Seems to be like the whole creative lifestyle experience,
1: whether you're like writer, artist, podcast, host, you know, all of that. It's just it's all winging it all the time.
0: Oh, yeah. Because I knew I wanted to connect with writers and readers across the country and even you know, different countries, (laughs) because Beck's my last guest. She's from Canada. Um, So it. I don't know. I kind of envisioned like going around and interviewing different authors. But then COVID happened and I'm like, I don't think that's going to be possible. So I decided I'm going to do a podcast because then that way I can do that because I can't see everyone in person. And then it still is connecting us and bringing us all together. Well, it's such an easy way to listen to
1: it and everything too. Cause like I've listened to it, like doing the dishes and at the gym and different stuff like that, yes! where it's like easy to plug it in and have the headphones in and just kind of have it there.
0: Yeah. I wanted this podcast to be like us hanging out with our best friends, talking about books and, and understanding where we're all coming from and for it to be a safe place for everybody. So if you want to check out from reality for a little bit, hang with some good people. This is the place to hang out.
1: Oh yeah, that's totally what I feel like it is too. And it's just one of those where it's like having so many people to relate to in that area because I don't normally have those types of people in my life, like readers, writers, anything like that, except through, you know, the internet, which I've totally found is completely normal. It seems for everybody else that I've met that way now too.
0: Yeah, it's how we make friends now. Like this is the new way it's done. Like, yeah you know, because it's it's hard to, you know, make friends as an adult. I've talked about this in past episodes, and I really feel that way. But yet on Instagram, you can narrow it down to the niche of people that you connect with. And boom, you got people that you you can be friends with. Yeah, it's great. Oh, the community on Instagram has just been the best. Like it's created a support system I didn't even know I needed when it comes to writing a book and, and adoring books and reading and Yeah, I just, I feel so thankful to have met you and all the other awesome people out there. Oh, I'm so thankful to have met you too. Ah, Look at us all being, we're all smoozing each other. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so you're a writer. So tell me about your book because you are working on one. Where are you at? What's your stage? Let us have the details. Well, right
1: now I'm at the stage of I've been the past few days just kind of going through and cleaning it up before I send off to beta readers. I've had some critique partners, but then I booked an editor for end of November and she's like, I would still recommend some beta readers who kind of just like read the whole thing through from more of a reader perspective type situation. And so trying, I was hoping to get them out that out to them by Monday, definitely not probably going to get that till like, mid next week, because now we're moving as well, because my husband's moving to a different job site. So that's kind of been a little hectic and everything. But that's kind of a stage that the writing book piece is in. And hoping to, I mean, I've got my developmental editor booked for end of November. So there's that definitely have to kind of reel it in and have real deadlines set now because I'm actually paying someone for
0: something. Right. But you know what, Alyssa, I think it's going to keep you on track. Oh, yes. Yeah. I didn't do those things. And it took me years to write my book. But to be fair, I didn't know what the fuck was doing. <laughs> oh,
1: no, I totally agree because it still took me years to do like this is still, I think, the fourth draft or maybe even fifth draft. And I finally was like, oh, maybe I should get some people to look at it. And right. So it took me forever just to get that confidence to be like, OK, I guess we'll just let some strangers completely look at this and.
0: Hopefully not tear it apart on me. I know because it is a vulnerable thing. For one thing, you're like, please don't steal my ideas. And then second of all, you're like, you're you're opening yourself up for criticism. And it's very difficult to have someone look at something you've poured your heart and soul into and and tell you there's stuff that's wrong with it. Because we yes. instantly get that defensive protectiveness. You're like, no, this is my baby. It's like, don't tell me my baby is ugly. <laughs> like, <laughs> right, yes, exactly. Tell me it's good. <laughs> but that is part of it. You know, I worked in makeup for years. Um, I worked at Sephora. And a big part of working there, you know, back in the day, it was more artistry-based. I don't say it's the same now. Mm-hmm. But back in the day, we did a lot more makeup. And I had to try out for like, different contests within the company you could even try out for their um makeup artistry team that does like fashion week and all the ads that you see and um I had to be critiqued a lot I was told it's it's uneven you did the wrong color match this isn't blended um so I would get like like the first thing people would say when they would see like me like finishing like someone's face is they're like, this is wrong. This is, this could be better. You didn't do well here. It wasn't even like, there was no like moment where they're like, oh, you did good. You know, it wasn't (laughs) like there was ever a pat on the back moment. It was like, no, do better. Be faster. Like there was times where I would have to take like full face makeovers and I would have to do them back to back. And I would have to get them prepped, makeup, and then check them out, then clean up and get ready for the next client all within an hour's time. So I really got good at being able to know, okay, this is what works for me. And this is how I'm able to be efficient. And if it wasn't for all those critiques and that expectation of what I needed to do, I wouldn't have been able to keep up. And I think it's the same with writing. When you have that editor that's waiting for you, you need to be on your... Because they're waiting for you to follow through on your end and they can't yeah. do their job until you do it. So I don't know. I feel like life kind of led me here into these moments and it was all a big lesson to prepare me for where I'm at now.
1: Oh yeah, and I completely agree with that at different points now too because I actually went to school uh, to be a counselor and uh, then I moved to living on the road with my husband and that doesn't necessarily work and it was kind of like, right. oh, I'm gonna... Write this book for funsies, and then like going through all the training I went through for as a counselor kind of helped me personally build up my confidence, get rid of different like anxiety and different stuff, and helped me to believe of like, oh, you know what, I I actually think this this could be something. I could turn this into something more. And I tell my husband about it, and he's like, yeah, sure, go for it. You know, like he's like, I think you can do. If anyone can do it, you can do it. And so ah, kind of that. like those types of life things too, of just like. Thinking, having the one career, and then life changes, God changes the plans and everything for me. And it's like, well, I might as well do something that I thought was a daydream for sure. But now it's, you know, hopefully getting to the point of becoming reality.
0: Exactly. And I feel like, you know, everything happens for a reason. And so, right where I'm at right now, I feel like I was meant to be in this exact position. And I get down on myself sometimes because I've been struggling with querying. I have a book that I'm just sitting on. Like, but I also am ready to move on right, from this book and create new worlds and create new characters. I swear I have like 12 different ideas rolling around in my brain up there. Oh my god, I do too. It's, it's <laughs> terrible. <laughs> <laughs> and like, I decided to like, you know, Uh, do NaNoWriMo in in November, because I really feel like I need a cleanse from just this book. So my plan is to get it revised, get it ready to go to query, and then I can totally just start working on something else. So I feel like I'm still moving forward. Well, that's
1: a great idea.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I completely agree
1: with that, too. I had an idea come to me. I don't even remember what it was. I think I was like listening to a song. And I was, of course, driving and like, this idea popped for a story like title and everything and I was kind of like I'm driving right now I can't even write this down and so I was like so those it's like it's always I'm driving or I'm in the shower and I'm like no we can't have this right now there's no way to keep track of this and if I don't write it down right away I'll lose it instantly
0: uh, a couple years ago, my friend C.N. Maxwell, she made a reel where she was like pretending to be in the shower and she had an idea and she's like, oh, I got to get out of the shower. So she ran out of the shower and then she got to the pen and paper and she's like, damn it. Like <laughs> I nice. forgot what it was. <laughs> and I think about that all the time because I'm a big daydreamer. So like when I am driving or listening to music or walking my dog, my mind is somewhere else. I'm plotting stories. I'm thinking of characters. And I need to get in the habit of writing it down because it's the same thing where I'm like, if I don't write this down, I'm going to forget it.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'll do that. Like My time at the gym takes 10 times longer because like I'll think of an idea and I'll run over to my phone and I'll text it to myself real quick and then I'll go back and then I'll be think of something <laughs> else and I'll run back. And I'm like, okay, we could have been done about 40 minutes ago, but here we are pausing to write basically
0: at the same time. It never stops. You know what? And I think that's good advice for people who are suffering from writer's block or they're at a point in their story where maybe the plot is lulling or they're just struggling with it. If you just take a step back and just be letting your mind wander through the different scenarios. And while you're also multitasking, I find that helps immensely and then i'm like on track again and i'm like why was i stressing out about this in the first place yeah i
1: totally agree with that it definitely it's definitely like the wandering part and not like just letting it come naturally letting it come through other ideas and then i i feel the same way where i'm like why why was i even worried why was this bothering me so terribly, you know, however many minutes, days, weeks ago. And now it's just, it's totally fine now.
0: Exactly. And I think also just getting the words on paper. So many people edit before they even write. They're in their head going, no, 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 that doesn't work. And no words ever get written because oh, you, just, yeah. you keep editing before it's even a thing. And I think that was what really helped me with doing different revisions of my book. I just finished the damn thing. I remember I was on A road trip to Florida to visit my best friend and I had finished it in the car my very first draft and um it was rough okay (laughs) it was for one thing it was in third person and I had just done bullet points because I was like let me just outline it and then it turned into me just writing the story but I left the freaking bullet points this is stupid little Kim doesn't know what's going on and I just like, but looking back from what my first draft was to where it is now, I got a damn book. I got a book. And it's just from just getting those words on paper, even though it was a mess, it was a mess. And I printed it out to remind myself how far I've come because that's the point of writing. You can grow organically. Your story can evolve and change. And it all is just just getting it, just finishing
1: it. You got to finish it. Oh yeah, I totally agree. Because I actually think like, I know I did it with my first draft where I kept like going back, editing certain things and different things I didn't like. And then I finally was like, okay, you've just, you've just got to finish this at this point or we're never going to finish it. And I feel like most of mine, there weren't, there weren't even like paragraphs. So not like bullet points, but there weren't even paragraphs. It was just like one long stream of sentences probably cut off a paragraph maybe with some dialogue at certain points but it was just like we've just got to get all of it out i definitely have done the bullet point thing too with different things because it's like well we're already <laughs> here the bullet points are already implemented we'll get rid of them later and it's just like like you said you've just got to get it out it's like run on sent i'm i'm there's i still feel like there's run on sentences in my current draft. And I'm like, you know what, that's what a line editor, copy editor, whatever editor it is, is for at this point, because obviously, I can't
0: figure it out. No, of course. And I think a big part of my writing style, I feel like my Achilles heel is, uh, you know, the spelling and grammatical errors or punctuation, that sort of thing, because that's not my strength. I'm, I'm really good at pacing. I'm really good at, you know, having a well rounded plot. But like, I struggle with all that other stuff. So when I had a beta reader read it recently, it was Rain. And mm-hmm. um she's like, You I I was into it. There was just some times where your sentences were a little funky. And I'm like, I I, I know, trust me. <laughs> I I know. And I and it was a big part of just finding my own writing style too. Um, figuring out who Kim Riot is as a writer. And so now with this next revision, I'm about to start, I feel like I'm gonna go into it with more of a level head, because I'm going to do a chapter at a time. And I'm going to have my husband read over it and edit it. He's super good at that. And um, that way, I know once I leave that chapter, it's the best possible version of itself. It can be
1: yeah, that sounds like a great idea. Kind of like you said, going through it chapter at a time, all those different pieces and stuff. And yeah, I have with CPs too, where it's like, My biggest thing, they'll start like, I'll get all the comments on a Google Doc and it's like, comma, comma. And I'm like, guys, just I'll pay someone to put the commas in.
0: (laughs) You're not you're not putting enough commas
1: and I'm putting too many commas. Yeah. I'm like, I know they're not where they need to be or they're in the wrong spot. I'm like, I do my best, but just. I'll pay someone to put the commas where the commas need to go. Please don't worry about that. And just (laughs) tell me what the story's like.
0: Yeah, because that's the most important thing. Because if you have a good story, that's the beauty of hopefully getting picked up by an agent. Is then it gives the agent and the editor that's then going to work with you for your book a chance to also put their spin on it as well. And allow them to be part of the process of publishing. Which is what I really want. Because those people are gonna have fresh eyes where I have looked at the same book for the past few years. So it's oh, yeah. like, I would, I want that. And like I said, with my background, I'm used to being critiqued. I'm used to someone saying this isn't working. So then all I wanna do and in my instinct is to be like, okay, I wanna make this right. Thank you for telling me. Let's let's move forward. Let's fix this. Let's Let's make it happen.
1: Oh yeah, I totally agree with that too. Cause sometimes, you know, you get in the back of your head cause I have where it's like, I don't wanna be critiqued. But then I'm also like, no, if if I want this to be the best version possible, like you, you gotta tell me, like tear it apart. I've told people that I have given it to, like, please tear it apart and like, but like be constructive about it. Don't just be like, this sucks. Like, okay, what sucks? yeah? And then I can
0: move on from there. Yeah, I guess what, yeah, that's what I've always needed. It needs to be constructive feedback. Yes. Because you can tell me you don't like something, but why don't you like it? What isn't working for you? Because I think that's the problem with finding really good beta readers and creative partners. If they don't have a reason behind it, they're not a they're not a valuable asset to your growth because if they're just pointing out the negatives for one that can throw off your groove yeah and 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 also it's just not productive because you need you need to help your story evolve and if someone's not helping you do that then they they don't need to be part of the process
1: oh yeah i totally agree and i actually with like the response i got for beta readers i was like okay i'm going to send out questions and one of my questions was something like you know every writer needs a cheerleader but I also need people to like tear it apart can you be both like can you actually or are you just going to read and be like oh it's really good like I don't want that like yeah you can say like oh this was really good but hey this needs some work type of thing like that's fine but I'm like I can't just have straight cheerleaders coming at me at this point because that's just not I know I know it's not just straight cheerleader material basically like I know there's still something right. wrong but like you said I've read it so many times that there's points where I'm like I hate it but that's also because <laughs> I've read it like I can't even tell you how many times now that I'm just kind of like okay I'm just getting tired of it at this point because I've read the same sentences and paragraphs and everything I I don't even know how many times still
0: Exactly. Like if someone wants to be a cheerleader, let them be an arc reader. Let them be hyping up your book, telling everyone about it before it's published. That's where those people excel. But when it comes to beta readers, you need that beta reader that has that perfect balance. They're motivating you with stuff they love. And like, because I live for those moments because... Like, like we've talked about, we've read it so many times, the magic is kind of lost where you're like, you forget how it felt writing it the first time and Mm -hmm. coming up with the idea for the first time. So the beta reader for me kind of reawakens that like motivation and warmth that you get when you get like hyped from someone loving your stuff. And then that helps me when I get something that's critiqued because then I'm like, okay, but I know I'm still on the right track because they love this, this, this. Now I know they love these things. Let me bring that same level to this that they are not liking.
1: Oh yeah. That's like, that's like the perfect way of putting it because I think there are definitely points in my story and just other things where it's just like, okay, like, Something I was reading, editing a certain point in mine last night where I was like, oh, see, I still love this part. And that's kind of where I'm feeling like, how can I get this energy to like 10 chapters back type of a thing? And I definitely think having other eyes on that will be so much more
0: helpful than just because I don't know what to do at that point anymore. But yeah, that's that's the beauty of getting that feedback there. It's essential. It really is. Yeah, it is. Well, how did it go writing the short story for my podcast?
1: Um, I feel like it went fairly well. My only issue is I went kind of down this, like, I'm more the person who writes fantasy and I just make up whatever the heck I want. But this one, I did a little more research into it. (laughs) (laughs) Because you gave me that first line and immediately, like, you'll see, because I don't want to spoil it, but immediately a certain someone came to mind for some reason with that first line and I was kind of like oh well now I have to stick with it like something doesn't no! just
0: come to you because of that okay so for the prompt for this episode it is you lied straight to my face how could you dun 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 <laughs> do that every time I don't know why okay all right Melissa, take it away you're listening to short stories with Kim Ryan enjoy book one
1: You lied straight to my face. How could you? Ragnus shouted as she shoved at the male who entered the room. He barely moved an inch, which only infuriated her more. She stormed over the table, still littered with food and golden goblets, snatching one filled to the brim with red wine and took a long swig. They don't call me the trickster god for nothing, love, Loki responded as he slithered up close to her backside, his hand trailing against her neck. Ragna's parents had warned her against the god of mischief her entire life, and after the events of tonight, it was the first time she wished she had listened to them. You said we'd work together, she hissed, that we would destroy those people who killed my parents, my people, my world, she screamed the last words at him, for no one remembered the tenth world that was once part of the great tree Yggdrasil, the sacred tree in the middle of the cosmos, its branches cradling every planet from Asgard to Jotunheim. but not hers, not anymore. What better way to work together? Then his husband and wife, he drawled. Ragna turned to face him, tilting her head back to look into his emerald eyes. They shimmered in the afternoon light that streamed through the castle's windows, flashing from cat's eyes to viper slits and then back to his own as they roved up and down her figure. Husband and wife, the words echoed through Ragna's mind. She had thought the fancy dress and glamorous jewelry had been a cover for them to steal the weapon Loki said he needed to help her. But instead, the ring she had worn had been tampered with his magic and enchanted her into marrying him. The feelings of love, awe, and merriment still clung to her senses like a fog. Glimpses of their wedding, blessed by Odin himself, danced at the edges of her memory. Ragnus slipped from Loki's grasp, turning quickly to strike his cheek. Feel better now? His wicked grin revealed perfect white teeth. I'll feel better if I knew you'd retrieve what we were looking for. She twisted the ring around her finger, still unable to take it off. She hated that she hadn't been able to feel the enchantment in the ring, that she had been so easily played. She was losing her touch, like she lost everything else. Ah, my sweet, but of course, he said as he produced a jagged sword from within his velvet cloth. My beautiful Leviathan, he admired the blade, and for a brief moment, Ragna found herself wishing he would admire her in such a way as well. This is what got her into this mess, this cunning god with his mischievous smile and sparkle of madness in his eyes she was drawn to his chaos, a chaos she hoped would prove fruitful in her plans for revenge, if she could just keep her head on straight. Now, he continued in his chipper tone, we can slay that oversized bird at the crown of the world tree and no one will know when the end of days are to come, especially my father and Thor. Isn't that just simply chaotic and wonderful, my wife? And it was in that moment that she realized that was all Loki wanted, Not to help her, not to put to death those who destroyed her world and those who sat back without lifting a finger to save it, but to just stir up mayhem for the sake of mayhem. That was the problem with Loki. He wasn't good, but he wasn't really bad either. He was just, well, he was just Loki. And she was just another person for him to trick and upend her life because he could, without a care for the consequences. His sweet words and kindness when he first found her were lies and deception. But no more. "'Loki,' she hummed, batting her long lashes. His eyebrows rose at her sudden change of mood, but she could see he was drawn to it, drawn to someone who seemed as crazy as him. "'What is your sword's purpose?' she continued. "'It has always been a mystery to all, especially with a name known as the Damaged Twig. "'Ah, my curious Ragna, Leviathan can be whatever you want it to be, just as I can be whatever I want to be. A sword,' he says, as he brandished it with ease. "'A wand.' He chimed as as he turned into a beautiful woman with raven-colored hair, the sword shrinking and becoming a slim, shimmering piece of metal, or even a staff, he finished, turning into Odum himself with a great scepter. My weapon answers to me, and I crafted it with the sole purpose of slaying that ridiculous rooster. Golan can be, she breathed, drew closer to Loki as he shifted back into his regular form. Yes, Golan can be, the only being that will be able to tell my father of the event known as Ragnarok. The end of times where it has prophesied the death of gods and worlds. We kill that bird, and he doesn't get to know, doesn't get to prepare, Loki spoke gleefully. After all, one shouldn't know their own death. It just isn't fair. And the thing of the unknown and turmoil it evolved just just sounds amazing. He pulled her tight to him, brushing a bit of her red hair from her face. But why did you need to marry me? she asked, even though she feared the answer. Because like Thor's Mjolnir could only be wielded by someone worthy, Odin stole my sword and made sure I could only wield it again when I found a wife who could temper my nature. Loki finished with a nonchalant shrug of his shoulders, moving away from her as he turned the weapon into a knife, piercing a strawberry from the table and bringing it to his lips. Seems odd since I don't feel less chaotic and our marriage was false, but seems a marriage ceremony before Odin himself was enough to fit the bill. Well, What's stopping us, my husband? She drawled as she drew closer to him again, her hands running up and down his arms. Let's say we race to the top of the world tree and hunt ourselves a bird. She licked the edge of his knife where juices from the strawberry had been left behind. His eyes burned as they trailed her movements. You, he breathed heavily, you want to help me? And Ragna noticed that look in Loki's eyes, a look that showed he felt seen, accepted for what he was, who he was without fear or trepidation. It was exactly what she was hoping for. Of course, my dear husband. I hope to be a faithful wife till the end of your days. Then I couldn't think of a better honeymoon, he whispered against her ear as he swept her into his arms and out of the glimmering gold castle. Moments later, Loki set Ragna down on a road that shined like the surface of an opal. At the end of it, the world tree Yggdrasil. The galaxy and all its stars glistened around them as the branches of the tree extended to all the nine planets surrounding them. Only Ragna would notice, just at its base, an empty space where a tenth forgotten planet had once been. Rising her gaze upwards, her eyes landed on the massive bird nestled in the top branches, ruffling its red and sunburst feathers like it didn't know the doom walking towards them. Loki took her hand. It was then, with swift, careful movements, Ragna removed the wedding wing he had unwillingly placed on her finger, and she slid it up his pinky, his gaze so focused on the bird he didn't notice her actions. Just as they were a mere few feet from the bird, Loki raised the sword high, but his movements halted at a snap of Ragna's fingers, for she descended from the lost planet Volva, the planet of witches. Not hesitating for a moment, she plucked the sword from Loki's grasp, the blade answering to her. For she was now the god of mischief's wife, and what was his was hers, and she drove the blade through her husband's gut. Her spell broke and he collapsed to his knees, crimson flowing freely from him. She stepped up to him, her heels and tongue clicking at the same time. The faintest laugh escaped Ragna's lips. You lied. Straight to my face, Loki sputtered, realizing the irony in his own words as he clutched at his abdomen. I did not lie, love, she cooed as she grazed her hand along the blood-covered blade. She watched as it changed into a sleek arrow upon her command, and she flew it skyward where it connected with her prey, a resounding cry escaping from the bird before it came smashing down onto the opal floor. I said I wanted revenge on all the gods, and you, well, you are a god, one of the very ones that stood by as my world was destroyed into nothing. Besides, you got what you wanted, she knelt before him, gripping his chin with her thumb and forefinger. Now, none of the gods will be prepared for the end of days, but I wanted to correct you, my dear husband, about the event signaling the end of times. In fact, it isn't an event, she purred, watching as his face paled, understanding his features. Your tricks are over love, she said on a breathless whisper for I am the one they call Ragnarok. Ah! <laughs>
0: Alyssa, is it over? Yep, it's over. Ah, so good! Oh my gosh! You hooked me, dude. From the moment it started I was like, oh damn, an enchanted ring and uh, you you pulled me in immediately. I thought that was so good. So oh, good, I'm glad you liked it. <laughs> I like how she got her revenge in the end because in all these stories, like women get like trapped and pulled into these different scenarios and they kind of have to just go with it. And for you, your character was like, nah, like I have an end game. Like,
1: (laughs) well, and that's where like with the word count, I'm like, okay, we have to make sure she gets this. I'm like, I know how it ends this tiny little story and it has to
0: happen. Dude, it's hard to kind of fit a story in like a limited amount of words. Cause like I tell all my guests it needs to be under 2000 just for um, time purposes, but it's hard. It's hard. <laughs> it's hard to do,
1: but honestly, like, like it's such a good practice though too, because I feel like it helps you to like have a decent amount of like fluff and description, but not to be like way too much over the top. It definitely helps you focus on like, okay, this is the characters, this is the story. X, y, Z, a B C this is what happens, basically.
0: Yeah, and you know, it's really good practice with pacing because yes. it takes away downtime. It takes away fluff, like you were saying. You're forced to be able to be more concise.
1: Yeah, I totally no, agree.
0: I loved it. I loved, I loved the imagery when he made his sword into a knife and ate the strawberry and then she licked off the juice. I was, ah! I wanted to react so bad. I was like, that is juicy. I like it. You're up. All right, here we go. Another short story coming your way. Oh, hell yeah. You lied straight to my face. How could you? Oh, look, she's about to cry. The girl coos cruelly, but I catch myself. She's no girl, but an elf. Long, elegant ears, tapered with gold-sparkling earrings, peek through her gleaming blonde hair. She's definitely not of this world, but one of dreams. Raddock ignores me as he watches his male comrade bind my wrists. I like it when humans cry, the male whispers viciously in my ear, especially pretty girls. I cringe away, hating the feel of his breath on my skin. Tommen, Ariel, enough. Raddock snaps, both back off at his command. The glamour Raddick fooled me with these last few months has finally faded away, no longer masking his unnatural, alluring features. Like Ariel, Raddock's black hair shimmers in the moonlight. His once-brown eyes are now glowing gold, tempting you with just a look. He appears taller in height, and the smell of jasmine and honey wafts off of him in addicting waves. My body longs to be near him, and I hate myself for it. That's what I get for falling in love. This man, or rather elf, betrayed me. He led me to believe that he was a student attending the same university as me. I thought he was someone I could trust, and I confided in him. I told him how my mother was tired of being a parent and abandoned me. How all the friends I attempted to make backstabbed me. How this cruel world never seemed to give me a chance. For the first time in my life, I thought I had found someone different. And I was wrong. Raddock is just like the rest. A tear escapes my welling eyes. Before I see him move, Raddock is in front of me, his warm thumb brushing it away. Suddenly I can't breathe. Not with him this close. It's all right, Anna. No, it's not. For emphasis, I lift my bound wrists. Raddock raises a brow. It wouldn't be necessary if you hadn't tried to run. I had done more than run. I'd leapt from a moving car. Though it was only rolling to a stop, it still hurt when my body hit the asphalt. Unfortunately, it took no time at all for them to chase me down in the woods. I try again, hoping Raddick will see reason. Please let me go. I'm afraid it's too late for that. You're wrong. I argue. He sighs, tucking a part of my braid behind my ear, sending chills down my spine. I'm not wrong, darling. His eyes narrow. Can't you feel it? You weren't meant for this human world. It has rejected you. But I am human. This is my world. Even as I speak the truth, it feels like a lie. He smirks, shaking his head, aware of something I'm not. You are the one thing I've been searching for. Now that I've found you, I won't be letting go. Suddenly, I'm over his shoulder, and he begins to carry me deeper into the woods. My bruised body aches with his every step. Ariel and Tommen smugly follow behind, content to watch me squirm. Wait! I shout, fighting to get down. But no one listens to me. Why would they? From the start, this was part of Radix's plan. I just didn't know it. From the moment they kidnapped me from bed tonight, I was on a path that couldn't be avoided. It was set in motion when we had met in our town's old diner. Without knowing it, I had made my choice with fate. Little did I know at the time, fate was disguised as an elf. Raddock ignores my pleas and begins to speak in an unknown language. Whispering blue smoke begins to spin around us. Dust particles spark to life and dance atop my skin, making me shiver. With the cue of a soft breeze, the air changes around us. The crisp feel of fall is gone, replaced with the harmonious scent of spring. We appear to be in a meadow of brightly colored flowers, their sweet scent perfuming the clearing. Meet me in my castle, shooting the commands to Tommen and Ariel. With a pop, they're gone before Radix carefully sets me on my feet. This time, when I look into his eyes, there's a sliver of guilt shining back at me. With unnatural ease, he snaps my bindings with a pinch of his fingers. I didn't mean for it to happen this way. I can't hold back my growing anger. I don't think kidnapping your girlfriend ever goes well, Raddick. He frowns. Tell me, if I had told you I sought to bring you to an unknown elven realm to be my bride, you would have come without argument. I shake my head. If you had been honest, I would at least have given you the opportunity to... I stop short. Finally processing the word, he let ever so casually slip from his lips. Bright? He pulls a piece of velvet from his pocket. He folds back the corners to reveal a giant green emerald set in a twisting gold band. Humans normally get on their knees, but in our realm, we allow our mate to take the ring. But Raddick, I know I should have told you the truth, but I couldn't take the chance of you being identified. Any mention of our realm in the human world and our kind would have been drawn to it. I couldn't risk it. Risk what? His face goes hard. Your life. I don't understand. Until wed, any bride of mine is in terrible danger. Danger from who? Any bloodline that seeks to overthrow me. I take a step back, this time taking a moment to truly look at him. Who are you? He rolls back his shoulders, standing taller. I am Radic, prince of the Violet Heart Kingdom. Prince? He nods. But I don't understand. Why me? Aren't there fairy women in your realm more than happy to be your wife? With an arched brow, he corrects me. The jealous elven females would love the opportunity, but royalty isn't allowed. When we are ready to marry, we must find a blighted human bride. Blighted, you possess the ability to use magic. But how? When someone like you is born with unnatural magic, the world rejects you because you're different. Without realizing it, other humans will sense it and want nothing to do with you. Our magic repels them, can even make them aggressive. That's why you struggled to make friends and why your mother left. It's because you're blighted. Tears sting my eyes because what he is saying feels right all the pieces of my fucked up puzzle are now falling into place but why would you want to marry a blighted human like me will i not just repel you too he shakes his head no quite the opposite you attract me here in our realm your magic calls to me because together our magic can be one alone our powers mean nothing until united which is why other realms will seek to take it take you I wish you had given me time, allowed me a chance to understand. Raddock closes the distance between us, softly caressing my cheek. I'm sorry I didn't court you properly, and that I failed to bring you here on your own terms. He takes a hollow, deep breath, if you truly wish it. I will send you back without any memory of me or my kind. I gasp. You would give me that choice? Hesitantly, he nods, anxiously awaiting my response. Now that the options are laid before me, I feel torn. Do I want to go back to a life where my blighted luck follows me like an unwanted shadow? Or do I stay here with the man I love, where I can truly belong? And if I want to stay, I ask, then you better prepare to fight for the life you want. The elven realm can be cruel, especially to humans. I drop my chin, not sure if I can handle this harsh truth. Am I worthy to be here? Do I even deserve the chance? But remember, Anna, through it all, I will be at your side, never to waver. The answer for the first time in my life feels like a simple one. I extend my hand and watch Raddock light up. He raises his open palm. Without a second thought, I pluck the ring from his hand and place it on my finger. So fight, I will. The end.
1: Yay! Oh my gosh, I just love how you tell your story and your voices and everything. That's just <laughs> always one of my
0: favorite parts. <laughs> it's hard it's hard to jump from the boy voice to the girl voice I always struggle and I feel like I need to clear my throat
1: (laughs) I feel like you do it so well though and then just like your description throughout the story and you had kind of like just one of those lines too that it was just like oh man oh dang he said that type of thing now I can't remember what it was because I was so hooked on the rest of it but just I just love all the description that you have and just the world building in such few words.
0: Dude, I try, man. Like, I I, I knew I wanted to take it, like, the elven route because I just feel like that's so much fun. And that's like a type of style that's trending right now. I'm so into romance, but not everyone is. So when I read it and read it myself, sometimes I'm even blushing because I'm like, Oh my god, this is so ridiculous. Oh, no, I
1: know. I totally
0: see I'm that same thing too, where I'm like, I'm
1: totally into romance. I love reading it. I love the whole like, giddy feeling as the different things like are happening and just the different emotions and like, one-liner words back and forth to like, between the characters, I absolutely love it. This has been so much fun talking with you, Eliza. Yeah, it's been awesome. I'm so glad I did it. Oh my gosh, we're gonna have to do this again. You have to come back. Oh, totally will.
0: Oh, I love it. Well, thank you so much.
1: You're welcome. Good talking Bye. to you.
0: Bye. 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 <laughs> Catch you later.